Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned into the sounds of MaximumFM.ca and your preferred podcast player of choice. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Papa Bella Bosba, and I'm right away, go. We invaded airwaves. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we're live on the airwaves tonight. <clears throat> And we got a lot to get to tonight. We got a lot to get to. We got to talk about 50 Cent dissing his own G-Unit members. We got to talk about people being over, angry over a mermaid. We There's a lot to take in tonight, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot to take in tonight. With that said, though, you guys already know how I like to open up the show, man. Every every week, there's just something that I, I got to get off my chest. I got to let it off. So with that being said... It is time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, as you guys already know, the Kawhi watch is in full effect. Everyone, <clears throat> pardon me, is keeping tabs on what this guy's doing, what he's wearing, what soup he was drinking. You already know the whole nine. <clears throat> pardon me. And it came to a fever pitch. When CP24 had cameras on who allegedly could have been Kawhi Leonard uh, coming out of a private jet that was uh, funded by MLSE, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, the ownership group that owns the Toronto Raptors. And it videotaped them going into a black SUV. And there was an eye in the sky of that SUV going along the Gardner Expressway. And it was hilarious because it reminded me of the OJ chase with him being in the white Bronco back in, like, what, 19, pardon me, 1994, whatever it was. So I thought that was kind of hilarious. And it was alleged that he would be meeting at the Hazleton Hotel in Yorkville where Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster were, were spotted. So... Someone may have leaked out the. Someone may have leaked it out via social media. It could have been a fan or whomever. And the moment that happened, every well, not everybody, but a lot of people were waiting outside that hotel. So the thirstiness of it was real. It was definitely real. But I think what people need to keep in mind of, especially media down south, is that this isn't the first time that this has happened where we've had a high-profile athlete being photographed, videotaped, or documented in general when they are heading to a prime location for a specific meeting. And I say that because a lot of people are saying that Toronto's acting thirsty. We're going to drive them away. We're going to push them away because they're being so thirsty. Now, don't get me wrong. I do agree that the thirst level is real, but we're not the only ones to exhibit high levels of thirst when it comes to a high-profile athlete. Circa 2018, LeBron James, when he had his meeting in L.A. Uh, when he was meeting with the Los Angeles Lakers for a potential deal, which turned out to, in fact, be a deal. There were cameras that were following him. There were eye in the skies, eyes in the sky, so to speak. There were people waiting outside a particular 
hotel or meeting location, wherever the case may be. The, the same thing that we saw with Kawhi Leonard was happening with LeBron James last year around this time during free agency. The same thing happened, or similar thing, I should say, similar thing happened to Kyrie Irving earlier May 22nd of this year when he went to New York for a particular meeting. We don't know what that meeting was, but because of the fact that his name has been linked to New York, whether it be the Knicks or the Nets, people were sure to follow. Cameras were sure to follow. Similar thing happened. So I say this. Yes, Toronto has been exhibiting levels of thirst as if we are parched, so to speak, but we're not the only ones to do this. Anytime a high-profile athlete is in the middle of free agency and he or she is deciding what team that they're going to sign with, cameras are sure to follow. I mean, this is Kawhi Leonard we're talking about. This is arguably the best player in the NBA as of right now. The man just came off of winning a championship after being vilified by so many people in the NBA, whether it's fans, peers, whatever the case may be. He had arguably the greatest comeback in NBA history, and he won the first professional championship for a Toronto-based team in over 20 years. So, yeah, he kind of sounds like a big deal right now because he is. So he's going to have all eyes on him. And he literally has the NBA world in the palm of his big hands. Facts. So... This shouldn't be surprising to anybody. Um, I feel like the commentary around what's happening with Kawhi is very very entertaining, to say the least, which I will later get into uh, on the next segment of the show. But one thing that I came across before I went on the air, like literally maybe like 15 minutes before I went on the air, uh, was a little snippet from a podcast I was listening to. It's called Raptors Digest. If you're a huge Raptors fan and you want to listen to Raptors content, that's one of the people that I recommend listening to. They they deliver a deep dive into Raptors content. And they're basically stating, and uh, and this is according to their source, was Chris Carter. And again, a name that I will get into later on in the next sex- segment of the podcast. Um, they're saying that according to reports... from sources that are linked to Chris Carter is that no matter what team Kawhi selects, it will not be for a short-term deal. He is looking for a long-term deal. So whether that means it's a five-year deal with Toronto or a four-year deal with either Los Angeles team, he's looking for a long-term deal. So potentially, if that does in fact prove to be the case, then maybe that's why the litigation, so to speak, are taking this long. Now, of course, it's not unusual for a free agent to take this much time uh, to decide where he's going to go play for the next two years or for the next five years, whatever the case may be. But in comparison to everyone else that made it known that they were going to play with this team going forward, it does seem like a long time because free agency officially kicked off last Sunday. In fact, on the last broadcast of the show, I was basically talking about you know, where is Kawhi going to go? Where is everyone else going to go? And a week later, everyone, like all the big players, I should say, have already been decided, whereas Kawhi is the only one left. And where he goes will determine the traje- the trajectory of the NBA going forward. If he chooses Toronto, and hopefully he does, then Toronto has the potential of being the new dynasty in the NBA going forward. Potential, not saying it's guaranteed, but they would be the team to beat no less because they are the defending champions and they have their main guy in tow. 
if the Clippers are the team that he selects, then the Clippers could potentially be a contender for the title. Not guaranteed, but they could at least be a contender. And if he goes to the Lakers, then of course the Lakers are the odds-on favorite to not only win, but they would become the next dynasty yet again in NBA history. So this is why this decision is very important. It's very, very important. Because with Kawhi re-signing with the Toronto Raptors, this means that, A, there could be a potential dynasty on hand, and, B, as for the present, as currently constituted, this means that the NBA will have the most parity it's had in a very long time. It would, it would mean that every team in the NBA has a minimum of one all-star and a maximum of two all-stars, like current all-stars, I mean. So we wouldn't have a situation where there would be a big three. Even the situation in Golden State right now where uh, D'Angelo Russell, Stephen Curry, and Draymond Green are all active, that's not necessarily a super team because we've seen what a Golden State super team legitimately looks like. This looks like a team that's still competitive but at the same time still trying to remain relevant. But nonetheless, that's what the NBA currently looks like right now. And that's and if Kawhi re-signs with Toronto and it's for a five-year deal, per the source of Chris Carter, then that means very, very big implications. Again, if he signs with Toronto under that current pretense, then that means that he wants to be in it for the long haul. Now, of course, midway through, you can always request a trade if things aren't going your way, of course. But... If things are trajecting in the way that we expect them to, as far as the Raptors being a contender or defending their title going forward, then this could be a new chapter, not only in Raptors history, but in NBA history. So I'm not sure how much credence we can give to that source, so to speak. But if that is, in fact, the case, then that would explain why Kawhi is taking his time, as he should, with this decision. Because if it's a five-year, if it's a long-term deal, I should say, if it's a long-term deal that he's looking for, then yes, this is a very big deal that you need to take your time on. So we will keep listening and keep watching, keep tuning in. If anyhow there's some sort of breaking news report that comes during, you know, midway through this podcast, I will let you guys know ASAP midway through whatever topic I'm currently discussing at the time. But I have my push alerts on, um, and I will give them to you as best as I can. So make sure you keep on lock for that. Most definitely. But nonetheless, what do you guys think? Is the Kawhi watch getting out of hand? Is Toronto looking thirsty? Is this not a big deal at all? Either way, let me know what you're thinking. Hit me up on social media at CC and share your thoughts. Coming up after the break, we got to talk about the curious case of Stephen A. Smith and the American bias, not just from him, but from other people alike. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we will be back after the break. Yeah. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Now, on to the main topic of tonight's proceedings. Um, I'm still in basketball mode, as you already know, because Kawhi Watch is in full effect. And, of course, as Raptor fans and as fans of sports in Canada, we want Kawhi Leonard to resign with the Raptors so that we could potentially start a dynasty. You never know. We could go back-to-back. We could three-peat, et cetera, et cetera. And that sounds like a very salivating 
uh, proposition, if you will. However, there are some people out in this universe who aren't too thrilled with the idea of a Canadian team or a non-American team in general winning an NBA championship. One of those people who has that idea is ESPN on-air personality Stephen A. Smith. And he made it apparently and abundantly so on an episode of First Take this week. And ladies and gentlemen, I have the clip. And I'm going to play it for you right now. And it goes a little something like this. I don't want a champion being in Canada again. Mm-hmm. The city of Toronto is great, but we know Canada loves its hockey. They had their good moments and all of that stuff. But uh, damn it, I want, I, want, I want the NBA champion to be an American team. Yes, indeed. You heard it from him yourself, folks. He doesn't want Canada to have an NBA championship. He thinks that all of Canada likes hockey and only likes hockey. And that's that. Does this surprise me? No, it doesn't. In fact, a part of me is actually glad that he officially announced it. And mainly because of the fact that I've been saying for years now, maybe the last four or five years or so, that he has some sort of Canadian bias personally. And I even said on Twitter that it has to be more than going through customs or the lack of a global entry pass or the cold weather. Because this guy's from Hollis, Queens. He's from New York City. New York City is an eight-hour drive away from Toronto, I think. Either way, they're in the same time zone. And they're in that that northeastern quadrant of, of North America, essentially. They get snow just like we do. Sometimes it's colder over there. So it has to be more than the weather, the global entry. Maybe the customs things might be a bit of an inconvenience at best. But for, Co- or for Stephen A. Smith to wish for Kawhi not to sign back to Toronto just because of customs, it's got to be deeper than that. I mean, this goes way back to when – I can't even pinpoint exactly when, but I can just give you a few examples as to his bias against Canada, essentially. So there have been times where he has stated that – had Jabari Parker not been injured or anything of the sort, that he easily would have won the Rookie of the Year award over Andrew Wiggins, Canadian. He has said multiple times, as well as other people, that Steve Nash didn't deserve the second MVP award and that it should have gone to Kobe, which, honestly, I'll people will live with that to this very day. Like, let, let the man have his two MVP trophies, all right? But nonetheless, Steve Nash, Canadian. There was a segment on First Take where it was him and Skip Bayless while he was still on the show. And the whole segment was supposed to be about the Blue Jays winning the AL East. And this was, what, back in 2015, I believe? And Stephen A. just went on the entire time bloviating about how he wishes how the Yankees would have gotten that wild card. And they were so close and, and they were almost there and they could have gotten it. Not one time did he say one word about the Blue Jays winning the AL East. And then, of course, when it comes to the Toronto Raptors, far and few in between, he may say a good blurb about them here and there. But for the most part, he's always dismissing them. He dismissed them in the second round against Philly. He dismissed them in the conference finals against Milwaukee. And he assumed that the Warriors, even without KD, were going to get the job done. 
And then even when the Raptors got the job done on his radio show, he talked about the Raptors winning it, you know, congratulating them for a few minutes, but then quickly went on to say, had KD been at full strength, there's no way the Raptors would have won, and that there should be an asterisk on their, on their, on their championship win, and that he immediately proceeded to discuss free agency and already automatically assumed that Kawhi Leonard would be heading to Los Angeles. So... I'm not going to go on here and do a whole smear ad campaign on Stephen A. Smith. I'm not about to do that because at the end of the day, <clears throat> Smith is part of a long list of on-air talents in America who are part of the hot take era. And the hot take era is essentially on-air talents who will say some of the most egregious and outrageous things for the sake of clicks, likes, responses on social media, etc., etc., he is not the first, and he is not the last. He's one of the most, pardon me, popular ones to do it. But again, he will not be the first nor the last. He'll just be yet another person continuing to do so. I mean, let's keep in mind, this guy's getting paid $10 million annually by ESPN to deliver the hottest of hot takes. So this doesn't surprise me. It disappoints me in the sense of, him being a credible source in the world of media of sports and being a journalist and having a lot of knowledge of the game of basketball to just say, you know, to make cheap shots like, I don't want Canada to win another championship, damn it. I mean, do you not understand that the world or that the NBA is going global, that we may have more than one team outside of of, of America when it comes to the NBA? The amount of talent that we have coming out of multiple parts of the world. I mean, even in Canada alone, as far as non-American talents are concerned, Canada is leading the charge as far as how many people or how many of its players are coming from an outside nation outside of of, uh, of America. So take with it what you will. Either way, it's all part of the hot take era. So what I found interesting about that as well, on top of that, is the fact that he said that on July 1st, and for us Canadians, July 1st is Canada Day. It's basically the Canadian version of July 4th for Americans. So I'm not sure if somebody mentioned that in his ear, one of the producers maybe, just to kind of get some people riled up north of the border, get some clicks happening. I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, you don't have to be a producer to say that in Stephen A's ear for him to say something like that. He'll just say that out of nowhere you know, on his own. And then to say that we only care about hockey, I mean, dude, come on, man. You saw the numbers Canada did. You saw the footage of Canadians rallying on the Toronto Raptors. It wasn't just a Jurassic Park in Toronto. There are Jurassic Parks in Halifax, in Winnipeg, in Edmonton, in Vancouver. There were about 59 Jurassic Parks stationed all across Canada. And 56% of Canadians were watching the NBA Finals. So you're talking about over half the population in Canada at one point was watching the finals, and you're telling me that Canadians only care about hockey? Bro, the, the, the numbers don't lie. That seems to be the popular term to say nowadays, and you got to respect that if that's the case. Look at the parade. Three million people, estimated three million people were at that parade. 2.5 million people is the approximate population of Toronto. So you're telling me that we had a parade that exceeded the population of Toronto as a city, and you want to go and tell me that Canada only, only 
cares about hockey? Bruh. Why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? Oh my God. Stop fucking lying. Like, really, man? That's a little hanging fruit right there. But I expect it. I expect it. We are in the hot take era, and there are a bunch of people who have bloviated about, you know, Canada being less than. I mean, we can go down the, the list of names that a lot of people love to click on to. Chris Broussard, Colin Cowherd, Skip Bayless, Ryan Hollins, Damon Jones, Richard Jefferson. The list goes on and on and on and on. I mean, at one point in time, I called Skip Bayless the the the, the Bill O'Reilly of sports because of his hot takery, you know? And even with Skip, he doesn't even refer to Kawhi Leonard by name. He just calls him number two. And the way he nitpicks at, at certain teams and, and what they do and certain players, etc., it's all a part of the game. This is the hot take era. Like how we are in social media when it comes to thirst traps and what have you and how some players kind of adopt that, that persona of wanting attention but acting like they don't want the attention. This is another mechanism of thirst trap era. Like their hot takes are thirst traps because they want you to click on the likes. They want you to have people like me talking about this. And, hey, they did their job because guess what? I'm talking about it. We're engaging in it right now. But I'm just here to let you guys know, the people, especially for my Canadian listeners tuning in right now, that you don't have to look at these guys as the Bible of knowledge for basketball. I'm not saying they don't know anything. They do. They know a lot. But because of the era that we're in, a lot of these people are playing characters. They are playing wrestling heels, so to speak. They want to do the utmost to get under our skin so that we can go on the blogs, we can go on social media in general, and talk about how much these people frustrate us. That's what they want. Now, if you're a viewer who knows this, acknowledges this, but still tunes in anyway just for the sake of entertainment, more power to you because at least you know what the game is. It's like watching a trashy reality show and you know that it's far from reality. You're just there for the shits and giggles and for the popcorn. You know what I mean? Like, my sister watches 90 Day Fiance, but we all know that that's not reality. It's just crappy television, but we can't help but watch because it's entertaining as hell. So that's all I'm saying. So if you want to continue to listen to these guys and watch them, that's great. I'm not, I'm not taking that away from you. But if you are frustrated about, you know, watching these people and it's just – it's mind-boggling as to how much they're disrespecting your team if you're a fan of the Toronto Raptors, then, you know, I got a few people that I can recommend to you for some listening if you're not already listening. But I'll get to that in a moment. <clears throat> what I want to get to, <coughs> pardon me, what I want to get to, however, real quick, is the fact that, you know, a lot of these people who are discussing about you know, Kawhi's free agency and what have you. A lot of these people are saying how they that Kawhi should go to the Lakers or should go to the Clippers and what have you. And they're saying that their sources are saying that, you know, he's 94, 95% certain he'll go to the Lakers. Or people are saying how it's still a three-team race. Or other people are saying, oh, he might actually decide to go to the Clippers instead. A few people are saying he may actually go to Toronto. Either way, we don't know. And I don't think they know either. I think the only person that knows is Kawhi Leonard and Uncle Dennis. 
And even then, they may not know for sure, which is why they're taking so much time to iron things out. So when I hear a lot of these people say, well, well, my sources say, well, my sources say, to me, it's just a professional way of saying, yo, word on road, or yo, my man, word on the street, or oh my God, Becky, did you hear what happened in the food cafeteria? So Amber was telling me, like, that's all it is. It's all, it's rumors. It's all it is. It's rumors on national television. That is, that's all it is. And we're just tuning in for whatever reason. I'm tuning in because I might actually hear breaking news. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for breaking news to say the official word that Kawhi Leonard has signed with Toronto. That's what I'm waiting for. But for people to say, oh, well, I'm 95% certain or my sources tell me, et cetera, et cetera. That means nothing to me until I hear an official word, whether it's a Woj bomb or a Sham bomb or a Stein bomb, whatever the case may be. That is what I'm waiting for personally. And a lot of people are citing words from from Chris Carter, whom I mentioned earlier in the pod uh, slash radio show. And only reason why I mentioned him primarily is because of the fact that Chris has been getting a lot of, I'm not going to say flack, but he's been in a lot of conversations as of late because him and Kawhi Leonard share the same agent and his source allegedly is that agent. Because if it's not the agent, I don't know who else it could be. But because of that, a lot of information is being given to him. And a lot of the information that's being given to him is what he is saying on, you know, first things first. So, again, we don't know how valid this information is because the Kawhi camp likes to, likes to keep things close to the vest. And I'm assuming that if, his, if Kawhi's agent is leaking this information, that's maybe not somebody he wants to have in his circle. So... I'm not going to take Chris Carter by his word. Even that little blurb about, or not a little blurb, but quite fairly sized blurb about Kawhi wanting to have a long-term deal, that could explain as to why he's taking so long with the proceedings. But again, we don't know. And it may seem like he's taking long, but we're only comparing it to all the other stars who have locked down their deals as of now. I mean, think about it. KD, Kyrie, Klay Thompson... Al Horford, ben, even Ben Simmons, who wasn't even a free agent, but he announced that he wants an extension. Jimmy Butler, like all these people, announced on June 30th that they are committing to their following teams. Kawhi's the only person, the only big-name star left who has yet to commit. So I think we're all just comparing it from that standpoint. So again, my sources say, my sources say, the sources change every day. So we can't even take that at face value anymore. I mean, I never did, personally, to be honest, because, again, the Kawhi camp likes to keep things tight. And if you're in a position where you are part of Lakers management and you're Magic Johnson and you're feeding information to Stephen A. Smith and other people, then does that really give Kawhi the type of confidence that he wants to sign with a team that likes to leak information just like that, who has an organization that's not very stable? At least with the Raptors organization, he knows they're stable. He knows they will keep things to the vest out of respect and reverence of him. So, again, we can't take these things for, for, for fact or for, or for Bible, essentially. We, we can only take it with a grain of salt at best. So, not only that, but also what I tend to notice is that a lot of these people who are on TV who are trying to justify 
Kawhi leaving the Raptors to go to the Lakers primarily or just L.A. in general or just to America altogether. They keep saying stuff like, well, you know, Kawhi gave them a championship and that's it. They should be thankful. He's already done what he's done. He doesn't owe anybody anything. He should just come back home to L.A., yada, yada, yada. And they're not wrong to a certain extent, but everyone and their mama knows if this was any other team that Kawhi was on, whether it be Spurs or Lakers or any other non-Canadian team, so in other words, not the Raptors, then they would say, oh, no, you need to run it back, man. Defend your championship. Run it back. You got to defend your crown, homie. You're the best in the NBA now. You got to defend your crown. <coughs> I'm sorry. But isn't that what he's supposed to do as well? Regardless of what team, even if it is Toronto, yes, that wasn't the team that he wanted to go to ideally, but he was traded there. He came what he did. He won a championship. He had the greatest comeback year in NBA history. But as a champion, the idea for you as a champion, as a defending champion, is to run it back. Now, it's all Kawhi's progress as far as what he wants to do, but any champion who has just been fresh off the heels off of winning a title. They want to run it back. That's their natural instinct. So it's funny for a lot of these American pundits to say, oh, Canada, you know, they 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 got more than what they bargained for. You know, they they have nothing to complain about. But real talk, if this was any other team, you guys would be saying run it back. But hey, that's none of my business. But anyway, to close off this segment, all I'll say is this. In regards to the hot takery and what have you, this is what a lot of not just sports talk, but a lot of daytime talk has turned into. Whether it's the news, whether it's lifestyle television, whether it's sports talk, it's all about the hot takes because that's what drives the ratings, the clicks, the mentions, the stories on social media. That's what it all drives to. So if you are cognizant of that and you and you acknowledge it and you're just watching for the entertainment, great. Be my guest. All the power to you. But if you're someone who's starving for content, like meaningful content with meaningful opinions and facts that are being delivered and what have you, then just because these people come across as essential figureheads for sports talk and just NBA talk in general specifically, you don't have to look for them towards that as far as takes and what have you. Don't get me wrong. They do have some facts when it comes to breaking down some of the games and what have you. But when it comes to things like free agency and what have you, and you're a, like a Raptors fan, and this is what you're hearing as far as, you know, he, he doesn't owe them anything. He should just go to the Lakers. Meanwhile, Kawhi doesn't owe anybody anything. Let's just keep that in mind. Then, you know, there's a lot more things for you to, you know, keep in tune with as far as NBA content. So I'm going to rattle off a few names in Canada that you can go to for your NBA content if you haven't been doing so already. Tim and Sid, they're primarily sports, but they do cover basketball and, do, and they do a great job of it. The Hangout with Akil Augustine and produced by um, by uh, Dwayne Watson and, and uh, uh, Randy Urban. Again, great content, very laid-back content as well. They deliver not only Raptor news, 
but NBA news and Canadian basketball news in general as well. They're, they're a great source for that. NBA Excel, if you're looking for more of a lifestyle type of basketball show where they talk about the latest trends happening within the NBA and basketball culture and stuff like that, that's a great show to tune into as well. It's basically the Canadian version of, of NBA inside stuff, in my personal opinion. Um, the Starters. They've been doing their thing since way back in the day when they were known as the Basketball Jones. They're a great source for NBA content, and they deliver it from the fan perspective as well. And they also have straight facts that they deliver as well. Everyone has their favorite teams, but they're not, they're not going to insert their immediate bias into it from that standpoint. Um, I know their show is currently not on contract with NBA TV anymore, but they're still active with the podcast as well. So, so make sure you want to tune into that. And then if we are talking about a uh, podcast, we can talk about the Raptors after show uh, on Yahoo. That's a good uh, show as well if you're looking for Raptors content specifically. Uh, Raptors Over Everything podcast with William Liu, former guest of Cool Radio. Uh, he does an excellent job of breaking down uh, post-game uh, analysis for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, we also have Pound the Rock, a former podcast that William Liu was on that is associated with The Score that is hosted by Joe Wolfond and Joseph Cacharo. They do a great job of breaking down both Raptor games and NBA games in general as well. They're a great source for that. And then you have the On Blast podcast with Sheldon Alexander. does a very great job of, of uh, breaking down the NBA and the Raptors in general and their free association, a podcast from Sportsnet hosted by Donovan Bennett and J.D. Bunkus. Again, they do a great job of breaking down the Raptors and NBA in general. So I tell you guys, and I'm kind of talking to the Canadian viewers and listeners right now, if you are starving for NBA content and you want to hear an honest analysis and critique of your favorite team, I'm assuming it being the Raptors, whether positive or negative, they will give you the real. They will give the Raptors the credit where it's due, but they will also give them a proper critique if something wrong happens. They will give you that. They're not going to say, Canada's soft, Drake is soft, everyone in Canada's soft. They're not going to give you that, that Yankee garbage. They will give it to you real and raw. So I implore you guys... I get it. America is like the central hub for everything it seems like. But they don't have to be your only source. They don't have to be. I look at American content as well just as much as the next person does. But I know from an individual standpoint, I can discern between what is hot takery and what is real. I'm not saying that there, there aren't any Canadians out there who don't give hot takes. I'm sure there are. But I'm saying with these platforms that I've just mentioned, they give you the real. They give you the real facts and the information. And they give you well-informed opinions as well. So I urge you guys, you don't have to rely on the first takes of the world or the, uh, what's it called, Undisputed of the World or whatever show that is getting all the attention on social media. You have other sources and other avenues as well. But hey, what do you guys think? Is there an American bias when it comes to the American media as it pertains to the Toronto Raptors? Do you feel that Stephen A. Smith has a bias? Do you feel that the segment went on a little too long? Because I kind of feel that it did, but it needed to be said nonetheless. Either way, hit me up on social media at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. After the break, we're going to get into the Trip Talk segments of the day. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we will be right back after these messages. Yeah. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Now, let's get into Trip Talk, all right? So that's three of the hottest topics that took over pop culture. And with that said, uh, here we go. 
So first topic is J. Cole. So J. Cole recently released Revenge of the Dreamers Part 3, which is a compilation project for his Dreamville imprint that features all the artists on there, including uh, Saba, Earth Gang, J.I.D., um, uh, Ari Lennox, and the list goes on and on and on. You already know. So in one of his records, uh, he basically revealed that him and his wife, Melissa Heholtz, are having a second child. So, he raps about it on the final track of the project, which, which is entitled Sacrifices, and he says the following. She gave me the gift of my son, and plus we got one on the way. She gave me a family to love. For that, I can never repay. I'm crying while writing these words. The tears, they feel good on my face. Now, first and foremost, congratulations. Congratulations are in order. Secondly, I didn't even know he was married, straight up. And thirdly, I didn't even know he already had a kid. So I'll say this about myself. When I hear about a celebrity or whatever, like the last thing I hear about is their relationship and if they're having a kid or anything like that. So like I'm usually out of the loop because I feel like that kind of goes into gossipy, gossipy territory. And I just don't really want to get into that because then it gets a little petty from time to time. So I, I could really care less about who's dating who and all that other stuff. But I will say in the regards to J. Cole, congratulations to him because he seems like he's in a stable place. He's in the right frame of mind right now. I mean, he's featuring on tracks with other artists. He's promoting heavily his artists that he has on his brand. He's becoming more of a label owner now. He still has a hunger to rap. He's in his mid-30s now. He's kind of maturing into you know um, the next stage of adulthood, being a provider, having a child, having another one on the way. Uh, being more monogamous. Uh, we've heard previous songs where he fully outlined that he has cheated in the past and what have you. And now he seems as though he knows that those experiences have helped him to where he's at right now as being a father, as being a husband as well. So good for J. Cole, man. Good for J. Cole. Always being transparent, always being relatable, always being the rapper's rapper, so to speak, uh, and not being you know a diva when it comes to being a celebrity, just being that regular guy, just being you know a fun guy so to speak and uh just kind of being a man of the people uh him seeing seeing him perform at the all-star game you know on tv of course uh earlier this year in, in charlotte was refreshing because it was arguably the best halftime performance i've seen i've seen in the last 10 years and he was with the people he wasn't performing on this big giant stage where he couldn't touch the hands he's just performing on a small little platform where he was shaking hands with the people and what have you and that was one of the requirements that he requested from the nba that he, uh, for him in order to perform and he just came out looking regular he was in this uh charlotte hornet starter jacket from like 1992 he was wearing like these capri shorts uh, dreads all out. He tried to dunk the basketball in the dunk contest. That, for me, would have been the moment of the night had he made that dunk. Because we've never seen a rapper dunk before uh, at any level. So that would have been cool. But anyways, just going back to this story, you know, congratulations to him. You know, bringing life into the world is always a precious thing. And he seems like he's in a good frame of mind right now as far as family, as far as work goes. And he seems to be uh, having a knowledge of self, so to speak, and his team is eating. The artists on this label are eating. They're getting more recognition. People are bumping their music, and that's a great look. So shout-outs to him, man. Shout-outs to him. Um, but anyways, what do you think about the story? Did you know he was married? Did you know that he already had a kid? Do you know more than me when it comes to that <laughs> in that regard? Either way, let me know on social media at CoolRadioCC and share your thoughts. 
Now, going from one crew to another, let's talk about 50, 50 Cent. Now, while J. Cole is celebrating the success of his current stable, ja, or sorry, not Ja Rule, 50 Cent is condemning the members of his former stable. He went on social media to discuss how essentially he doesn't like the fact that G-Unit did not achieve their goals or what he thought were attainable goals for his former crew. So he went on to he went on record to state that members such as Lloyd Banks, Young Buck, and Tony Ayo, you know, performed below expectations and heavily relied upon him in order for their success. And, you know, recently he's been going on record saying how, you know, he's been making fun of Young Buck for his alleged relationship or alleged sexual encounter with uh, somebody from the transgender community. And, of course, Young Buck lashed out, sent out a few just tracks here and there, whatever, whatever. Here's the thing about 50, man. I've never seen 50 as a good leader. I've never seen him as a good leader at all. Even during the prime of G-Unit, I've never seen him as a good leader. He is the type of leader to motivate through fear and through intimidation. He's been the leader to always say, you know, if you're you're either with me or you're against me. He's never been the leader to allow his, I don't want to even say subordinates, but his teammates, I guess you could say, to have individual mindsets of their own. So if anyhow 50 got into a beef with a particular rapper, then that rapper had to get into a beef. I mean, look at all the beefs that he's been in from the time that we've known him as a megastar. Ja Rule, Fat Joe, Nas, Cassidy, Dipset, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on and on. And in every single one of these beefs, Lloyd Banks has jumped in and has hurled hurled his flames at the rapper young book has done the same thing game did it earlier but when it came to you know Nas and fat joe and jadakiss that's where he himself said that he had to put his foot down because he actually respected those rappers which led into the feud between game and 50 we all we all know the history behind that what i want to say is this in regards to game game was right game was right the entire time i mean i've been saying he's right for the longest time because if you look at it He's been the most successful member of G-Unit outside of 50 Cent. You look at his success in terms of music in comparison to everyone else, Game has has maintained his relevancy. He hasn't, well, he's had some bad albums here and there, but he's always been in, in the topic of discussion as far as rappers are concerned. Whereas Lloyd Banks and Young Buck, they've all fallen off. Every now and again, they may have a hit. Like Lloyd Banks had the Beamer, Benz, and Bentley record, but beyond that, we haven't heard a major hit from Lloyd Banks or any of the G-Unit members for a very long time. And maybe 50 was right in the sense where they heavily relied on him to kind of get their ratings up and what have you. But at the same time, 50 never really encouraged them to be their own individuals. So really, if 50 is disrespecting them for not being their own individuals, then that really that falls on 50. Because instead of teaching them how to fish, you just kept on delivering the fish to them. So really, that should be an indictment on yourself as a leader or not being a better leader. You only managed to take care of your own pockets. You didn't manage to, not saying that you should have taken care of their pockets, but you should have at least taught them how to take care of their pockets at the very least and then let them go from there. Because, again, I'm not with the rappers who heavily rely on their bosses. Like, every rapper not named Kanye West on Rockefeller heavily relied on on Jay-Z, you know what I mean? Like, it's the same thing with every every stable. Like, every stable or every label, whatever the case may be, seemingly has relied on the pockets of their best artist or of their of their CEO. It happens so often. 
Like the only times it hasn't really often hasn't really happened often has been with top dog entertainment because everyone is successful in their own regard. But in every stable that you can think of in hip hop history, at least one member, if not all of them or a majority of them, has relied heavily on the architect of that label. Whether it was, you know, Jay-Z and Rockefeller, whether it was Cameron and Dipset, whether it was 50 Cent and G Unit, whether it was, you know, uh, Rick Ross and Maybach music, whether it was, you know, Kanye and good music to a certain extent, whether it was Birdman and Cash Money, especially, whether it was Diddy and Bad Boy, like the list goes on and on and on and on. I mean, Suge Knight, Death Row, like you already know how it goes. So while 50 may not be entirely wrong with his prognosis, he still deserves a cut of that blame for not teaching these people how to be their own individuals and for not giving them the creative license to have their own freedom of mind. Because God forbid they do, they end up like gaming. You kick them out while they're in the middle of their album rollout. So 50, I don't know, man. 50 just seems like a genuine asshole. I don't know what it is. I don't know what Queens New York has done to him, but he seems like a genuine asshole. Like, I'd be content in my lifetime if I never met this guy. If I did, cool, give him a handshake, but I'm not about to be this man's best friend because Lord knows this guy would stab me in the back like he did his own brethren. And these are guys he grew up with in Jamaica, Queens, specifically speaking, Lloyd Banks and Tony Yeo. And if he's cutting them down like that and those are supposed to be his brethrens, man. I mean, 50 doesn't even like his own kid, but that's another story for another day. Anyway, what are your thoughts? What do you guys think about it? Is 50 being too hard? Is he being an ass? Let me know what your comments are. Uh, hit me up on social media, at Cool Radio CC. A final topic before we end things off with Wednesday of the Week. Let's talk about... Let's talk about The Little Mermaid, all right? So, as you guys already know, or may not know, depending on where you've been... Uh, they, Disney is doing a live-action reboot of The Little Mermaid, as they are with many of their original uh, uh, titles, essentially. So The Little Mermaid, they announced, will be a live-action film, and, it, and, the, and the lead role of Ariel, the mermaid, will be played by Halle Bailey. Not Halle Berry, but Halle Bailey. She is part of the of the sister duo known as Chloe and Halle, all right? And they are the protégés of Beyoncé. And Halle, who may be the younger one, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is the one who is set to play the titular character of the Little Mermaid, or known as Ariel. Now, this got social media in a tizzy because it was very mixed. A lot of people were very happy about it, but a lot of people were big mad over it, like big mad. And a lot of people who are big mad over it were non-black people, of course. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people are saying how this is inaccurate. This is historically inaccurate, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, a lot of people are saying if Tiana was being played by a white woman, the black community would be in an uproar. Now, for those who don't know, uh, Tiana was the black princess in a Disney movie that came out in the 2000s. I can't remember the name of the movie, but basically it was a black princess, black princess who was in, uh, who was set in Louisiana. So, anyways, I digress. A lot of people were mad. Here's my take on this, and I'm not even gonna spend too much time on this because it's very nonsensical. But here's my take on this: Why are you getting mad over a mermaid? 
A mermaid is a mythical creature. Keyword, mythical creature. All right? Mythical creature. She has no ties to any, you know, landmass area whatsoever. So why are people mad? Like, this isn't like the gods of Egypt because it said a title, gods of Egypt. So, yes, even though they're mythical, they are still of Egyptian descent. So you want them to have some sort of ethnicity to them that ties into Egypt, which is why people were rightfully mad about that because none of the actors were Egyptian or people of color for that matter except for Chadwick Boseman. All right. Now, if we're talking about mythical creatures, why weren't people mad when Jason Momoa was playing the role of Aquaman? Jason Momoa is Samoan. Last I checked, Aquaman was not Samoan. Aquaman has always been painted as a white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes. And if you want to talk about geographical locations and all that, like a lot of people want to talk about, and historical accuracy, Aquaman, the king of Atlantis, is located deep in the depths of the Atlantic Ocean. Samoa is in the Pacific Ocean, literally on the opposite ends of the world. So if you want to talk about historical inaccuracy, how come you guys weren't, weren't big mad over that? But whatever. And then people are throwing around historical accuracy and saying how, oh, well, she's of Danish descent. Danish people got mermaids? I didn't know that. Denmark had... And correct me if I'm wrong. Please correct me if I'm wrong. If my geography is totally off. But I could have sworn that Denmark is a landlocked nation that's in between other nations. Now, again, if I'm wrong, please correct me on that. But again, we're talking about a mermaid. And Disney has a roster of princesses who are, you know, particularly Caucasian, whether it's Cinderella or Snow White or Sleeping Beauty, which is a very creepy fairy tale, if I might say so myself, but that's neither here nor there. Either way, their roster of non-white, or sorry, non-people of color princesses are far and few, or not far and few between, I'm sorry, the opposite of that, I should say. And as far as Disney having black princesses, that is far and few in between. I mean, mind you, I don't think even, I don't think Ariel's even a princess. I think she's just a mermaid who ends up getting married to some soldier guy. So I don't, maybe she becomes a princess inherently because that soldier guy happens to be a prince. I, my memory is hazy off of that. But nonetheless, the only Disney, black Disney princesses I can think of are that the one I just mentioned, Tiana, who came later in like the 2000s, I think. And then you also have the only one, the only other one I can think of is when Brandy played Cinderella as a black version of Cinderella. And that if you really want to be technical, Shuri from Black Panther. And I'm only saying Shuri because Marvel Studios is owned by Disney, and Shuri was a princess of Wakanda. So technically, she would count as a Disney princess too. So we're talking about three Disney princesses. Technically four if we're talking about Beyonce as, as, as Nala from, from The Lion King. But again, Nala is not black. Nala is a lion. She's not even the same species. Okay? So all these people who are getting big mad over it, Get over it. Like, you can't use the example of, 
of Tiana or whatever the case may be. Because at the end of the day, again, if we're talking about historical references, Tiana was actually inspired by a native of New Orleans, Louisiana. I was actually watching the interview today. I had no idea about this. But she was actually inspired by that native of Louisiana who was some sort of a of a patron of New Orleans of sorts, basically. And that character was inspired uh, to become Tiana in that film. I don't even know the name of that film, of that Disney film. That's a crazy thing. But nonetheless, there is legitimate historical accuracy behind that. So to say that if if Disney did um, uh, uh, that movie with a white princess, that you guys would be just as mad, da 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 That is apples and oranges. That is a false equivalence. We're talking about historical we're talking about a historical accuracy versus myth myth okay and it's not even like myth that's directly tied to greek mythology or roman mythology this is just disney myth okay so please miss me with that like i would understand if you guys would get mad that the movie came out and ariel didn't have her red hair because that was a d- distinct feature i get that but at least give the girl a chance, for goodness sakes. Like, people were saying how it should be Ariana Grande, how it should be Zendaya, how it should be whomever. Fine, sure, whatever. But guess what? <clears throat> Pardon me. Guess what? It's, it's, it's Hallie. It's Hallie. Let Hallie be this, be this person. When I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of different. Cool. But at the same time, it shouldn't ruffle anyone's feathers because it's a freaking mermaid. Mermaids don't exist, fam. Let the girl play a mermaid, for goodness sakes. I'm off the story, man. Do you guys agree? Do you disagree? Hit me up on social media at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. And finally, to end things off, we got to get to the wanks of the week. So with that said, <clears throat> who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. This week's Wankster of the Week has to, it has to go to Mr. Chris Brown. And it's not even negotiable. It's definitely got to go to Chris Breezy. He is getting the Wankster of the Week because of a lyric he mentioned in one of his latest singles um, depicting dark-skinned women as ugly essentially and then him doubling down on that comment on social media so this is the lyric that is currently in question right now so he said in one of his records and i quote only want to f the black bitches with the nice hair all right so for those who are kind of out of the loop when black women or just black people in general are referred to having nice hair it usually means it's a looser texture the curls are a bit looser it's not as coarse so it's very subjective to be honest but it usually means that it's more softer it's more curlier the the curls aren't as coily it's a it's a looser you can run your fingers through it etc etc so people who are of mixed descent or who are or who are typically light of a lighter shade or whatever tend to have the quote-unquote nice hair or good hair when really good hair is hair that you just take care of properly essentially no matter what the texture is so anyways that's my little soapbox for a moment just so you guys have context so that's what he said so it didn't really cause too much of a stir per se yes there were people commenting on social media about it but it wasn't to the point to where it is right now so this is how it got to where it is right now i'm gonna read a quote 
that Chris Brown said via social media. And I quote, this is his words. Weird ass angry people, sincerely from the bottom of my balls. I don't give a F about y'all negative booty face ass bitches. I'm start giving away free lace fronts for all you weird females with a skid mark or sorry, skid row edges and low self-esteem. Aside from that, hop off these nuts. Half of y'all look like the Budweiser frogs, so please don't come with that bullshit. I will fire that ass up and roast the hell out of you, hell out you overly sensitive duckhead ass weirdos. Hmm, hold on. Ooh, where's your PR team? I feel like somebody whispered in Chris Brown's ear and told him that the best way to put out a fire is to dump a bucket of oil on it. Clearly, that didn't work because then the wave of people started coming in and then it became a firestorm of epic proportions. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, he has a preference. He has a preference. Why can't he have a preference? No one's knocking the man for having a preference. You can have a preference. As a black woman, you can prefer to date white men or lighter-skinned men or Asian men, et cetera, et cetera. And the list goes on and on for anyone of any race and culture, et cetera. The problem is when you put down your own people to uplift your, your preference, that's where you go wrong. So you don't have to call – or in code talk, I should say, called dark-skinned women Bud, Budweiser frogs or ugly-ass girls with the lace fronts or whatever the case may be. You don't have to do that. And even though he didn't literally say dark-skinned girls, he has a history of having a preference for lighter-skinned women, but at the same time demeaning dark-skinned women in the process. For example, there have been many uh, testimonies that have been laid out as of recent in, in regards to this uh, that – former patrons at certain clubs and events that he's gone to, they have been stated to either him or by people of his entourage that he only wants women who are of lighter complexion in his booth, and he doesn't want any ugly dark-skinned girls or dark-skinned girls in general in his vicinity. That's a little harsh. Now, I'm not a clubby, clubby type of person, so I wouldn't know anything about having a gang of beautiful women in my booth, so to speak. But to say that you only want a particular type of woman and to demean a, a particular type of woman all in the same breath, that's low class. It's Bush League. It's classless. Like, you should know better. And the fact that his mom, you know, tried to side with him and tried to, you know, dust it off as nothing more than, I mean, that's pretty shameful as well. Like, because that's your mom. Like, like, you should know better as an adult, as a grown adult. And what I'll say is this. Again, you can have a preference. Nothing wrong with a preference. But don't demean other people in the process. Like to say that dark skinned women are ugly, like that's like the biggest myth in the world, man. Like beauty as a whole is subjective. Like there may be people out there who may view Kelly Rowland, for example, as more attractive than Beyonce. And that is totally fine. But you're not gonna get people, well, I'm sure there are people out there, but generally speaking, you're not going to get people who are going to say, Kelly Rowland is so beautiful, but Beyonce is ugly. No, you don't need to do that. You don't need to uplift somebody by putting somebody else down. No, you can just uplift them in their own regard. You, hell, you can say both Beyonce and Kelly Rowland are beautiful women. That's all. And I know there are celebrities out there who have a preference in women, and we've seen it. And they've never really said it, but we can already see it. Like Eddie Murphy, he has a preference for lighter-skinned women. 
Omarion has a preference for lighter-skinned women. Diddy has a preference for lighter-skinned women, and that's fine. But they've never, and they've never gone on record to say, oh, but these dark-skinned women are ugly. Never have they ever said that before. Not only that, but, you know, Wale, he has come under flack a lot. I don't know why. But I remember when that Pretty Girls video came out, and somebody tried to disrespect him and say, oh, you're only, you only have light-skinned women in this video. So does that mean that Pretty Girls are only light-skinned? Watch the video. There's every single type of woman in that video. There's light-skinned women in that video. There's dark-skinned women in that video. There's nerdy women in that video. There are tough women in that video. There are slim women in that video. There are big women in that video. There are tall women in that video. There are small women in that video. There is a lot to choose from in that goddamn video. So that's just one minor example. Now, on top of that, he did a video called uh, My Sweetie, which is uh, based off of a sample off of an old-school African record. And that video was not only filled with dark-skinned women, but it's filled with African women doing traditional African dances as well. And that came out before Pretty Girls, if I'm not mistaken. So either way, those are just minor examples of artists having their particular preferences, but not having to demean other women in the process. And that's something that Chris Brown easily could have done. But bigger picture, speaking of which, it's not just dark-skinned women that he disrespected. It's all black women he just disrespected with one line. Only want to fuck the black bitches. He called all black women bitches in, in, in that regard. Never mind dark or light, good hair or bad hair. He said all, he, he referred to all black women as bitches. So what are you going to do? You know what I mean? What I don't understand is this guy openly disrespected his biggest conglomerate ever. Because when he did the Hadouken to Rihanna 10 years ago, he lost a large segment of his fan base, especially that top 40s fan base, that, that, that pop culture fan base. He lost a lot of that. And for this entire time, it's been black women who have been writing for him. And for him to say all these comments, like, dude, you are on your last strand of thread. There may be people going forward who may not give a damn about this as long as you give them another hit, and that's fine. But don't bite the hand that feeds you, Breezy. And because of that, I got to give you the wanks. Do you, do you deserve this wanks? Of course you do. I'm gonna give it to you one more time, just like this. And that concludes tonight's show, people. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Went a little longer than I expected, but nonetheless, it made for good talk. Uh, next week, we will have a guest in studio. I will keep the details to a minimum until everything's official. So I'll make sure you guys know about that um, within the week to come. Either way, hit me up on social media at Cool Radio CC on multiple platforms. And as you already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. <laughs>